0: Welcome to this podcast of Sunday Nights on ABC Local Radio. I hope you enjoyed the program. Hi there, welcome to Sunday Nights on ABC Radio, through Radio Australia and via the web to the world. John Cleary with you and this week around Australia the ABC has been hosting conversations about Rebooting Your Life. And of course, throughout human history, one of the central elements in any form of reboot has been religion. From meditation to pilgrimage, from confession to conversion, the religious way has been the dominant way until perhaps 100 years or so ago and the innovations of doctors Adler, Jung and Freud, although even Dr. Jung had a sympathy towards the religious way. So tonight we propose to hear from a Catholic, a charismatic and even a Muslim are their perspectives on religion as the path to rebooting your life. Religion as a way to make personal and social sense of the world. And to introduce our topic this evening, it's a pleasure to welcome into the studio a panel. The panel consists of Pastor Alim Ali, a National Manager of Welcoming Cities and Lead Pastor of Found. Alim Ali, welcome to Sunday Nights. Thanks for joining us. Thanks, John. And... Uh, In Albury, Christian Kunda is a health professional who converted to Islam at the age of 18. Christian was one of those you may have seen in a Compass program earlier in the year. Christian, welcome to you.
1: Thank you very much,
0: John. And in our Sydney studio, Sister Susan Connolly, a Josephite nun and refugee advocate known for her support and work for East Timor over many years. Sister Susan Connolly, welcome back to Sunday Nights. Thanks very much, John. Now, this word we're talking about, this phrase we're talking about, rebooting your life, it seems sort of the, the general and fashionable way to say it. But, Ali Mali, it seems really this has been the, religi- the, the business of religion since whenever, uh, in fact, this is the central business of religion.
2: Yeah, absolutely.
0: For you, what called you into the religious life?
2: Oh, that's a good question. As a child growing up, and as a child growing up, you don't necessarily see what you're doing as pioneering, but... Um, the time and hindsight, uh, suggest that I grew up in a pioneering household. So I grew up in a household in which I would go to the mosque on Friday and I would go to Sunday school on Sunday. So essentially they call that interfaith now, I think. Um, so religion was very much a central part of my life growing up and quite a formative part of my life, quite, um, similar, but diverse religions and also embedded within that, um, was something I guess of my grandfather's Catholic tradition, which is a very strong focus on on justice and mercy. Um, And so as a family, we didn't shop at the local store because apartheid was very um, much at its height in my early years. And somehow by not shopping at the local store, that meant we would be um, certainly not contributing to the apartheid regime.
0: And when did you first realise, and obviously with apartheid you talk about South Africa and yes. what's happened in that country has been a transformation that is in many ways been led by religion, that is religion helped build the bridges. If you think about the work of people on the, in, in the Muslim tradition, if you think about people in the Dutch reform tradition and you think about people like Desmond Tutu in the Anglican tradition, these are the people who were the bridge builders that helped actually tear the regime down.
2: Absolutely. I mean, at the heart of it is this sense of the common good, the most good for all people. And I think religion uh, in its various forms draws us to whether it's laying down your life in the words of Christ or, or draws us to this sense of, of being um, redeemed by the broader community. So how did it work for you? Did you,
0: you? You these days are part of what could be broadly called the charismatic tradition in, in yes. Christianity. Um, how did it happen for you? What gave you the sense that, hang on, here is something that is profoundly going to change my life or, in effect, reboot my life?
2: Mm. For me, it very much started through relationship um, it- a very close friend of mine who's still a dear friend um invited me along to to a their church and their community and what i really found was that sense of community this understanding of being part of something bigger than myself and through that community really came to a personal revelation i guess of um and you know my the theology now would tell me that was my Christology, but an understanding of, of who Jesus was and is for my life and this very real call that I felt um, to essentially lay down my life at that time and uh, follow something that was um, a much clearer call and direction and purpose for my life.
0: Do you think that you could describe that as reorientation, that is, it, it shifted the direction of your life or it gave, it gave your life a sense of direction?
2: Certainly gave myself uh my life a sense of direction it gave me clarity it gave me a a deeper sense of meaning and purpose and, and really um, put a put a framework around um this sense that I had that life was about more than you know necessarily that your bank balance or or what it is that you could succeed at individually and that increasingly our lives are very much related to the other and gave me a, a new perspective on the other, to use that term, what it might mean to love our enemies and these kind of radical counter-narratives that, that we often find in religion.
0: What was it at a personal level? I mean, people talk about, the in American language, if you like, the born-again experience, mm. indeed. That's mm. biblical. He, he, you must be born again. It comes out of a story that Jesus told about when somebody says, how do I, how do I change my life? I can't go back and be born into my mother's womb a second time. Uh, so there is a there is a deep tradition of, of the use of this phrase what for you does it mean F-
2: For me it really means this sense of tr- uh, redemption and transformation this this understanding that in and of myself um, I come from a position of lack i 'm human i 'm fallible, but in my humanity and in my fallibility uh, through uh, an understanding of and a relationship with Jesus, I can be um, made new and transformed and so for me there was this sense of um almost uh, a sense of wholeness I guess that that came through engaging with uh an understanding of faith and religion
0: and that sense of wholeness has remained with you and sustains you
2: absolutely I, I think we're constantly forming and reforming and um I was probably a lot more absolutist in my positions when I when I first came to an understanding of faith. I was I was very keen on the answers, but the I
0: zealousness think, of the convert,
2: absolutely. Um, but I think over time I've become much more interested in the question and and in exploring questions and exploring the nuance of faith as opposed to the absolutism of it.
0: Hmm. Sister Susan Connolly. You're well known to many of the listeners of Sunday Night and indeed around Australia as as an advocate for uh, refugees and you've worked for the East Timorese for many years. Yet the centre of your faith is a life called the religious life. How did you get called to the religious life and what is it?
3: My goodness, Um, yes, the religious life, I mean, the life of being a a sister or a brother in the Catholic tradition, it's it's an unfortunate misnomer, really, because, I mean, there are so many religious people, so many far more religious than I, I can tell you, but um, um, I, I was just listening to that last gentleman there, and I was... Aleem. Aleem, how lovely to listen to that, because I could really plug into that, I was a total... Uh, triumphalist, as far as the Catholic Church was concerned, when I was a child i I loved the smells and bells and uh, I thought the church was totally right, and I belonged to it and I remember trying to convince someone I met in a in a railway carriage that uh, her high Church of England wasn 't nearly as good as my <laughs> my Catholic ch- faith, but thank God thank thank God I have. Um, mellowed somewhat in that, but but um, I, I felt that God was calling me to the the religious life, that the life of a sister within the Catholic Church. And when anybody asks me that question, I just have to return to that. I really believed, and still believe that this is what God wanted me to do. And um, I um, that the sense of God is with me, not not in a sense of. Um, Uh, you know, I'm walking around thinking about God all the time. But something uh, that I learned as a child has become more and more true for me as years have gone on. And that is the old catechism question, where is God? And the answer is, God is everywhere. And for me, that is a most profound religious truth. And where I meet God now, as uh, as I'm growing more into that... I realise that God is most especially seen in the victim, in the oppressed person, uh, because that's who Jesus identified with. And that gives your life focus? Well, it it certainly does, and it it gives tremendous meaning and tremendous joy, actually.
0: You feel your life is purposeful in that sense? Uh,
3: I do. I sometimes think, now, I wonder how many years I've got left. And I think... Never enough. Never enough. No, but it will end at some time, and I just, I just love to be able to say at the end of my life, well, look, you know, sixty seconds worth of distance run, you know, that old poem, that's that, uh, um, if, but, it, but, um, like, it's wonderful, and I'd, I would have to say that joy is definitely a part of part of it. It's part of it being able to say,
0: here's a, a road down which I set out." And I've given it a jolly good go. I,
3: I think, John, that's part of it. But I do believe that it is also a call of God. I, I think God, God wants me to do this. I have certain gifts. Everybody has gifts. Uh, we, we must use whatever gifts we've been given for the other. Uh, Because that's what community is about. That's why we've received our gifts. So therefore God calls us to to use those gifts for the other. Just one brief point,
0: we'll come back to it, but one particular thing about the religious traditions of which you're a part is that there are a variety of ways in which you are sustained in the tradition. There's all sorts of ways confession there's communion there's meditation there are there are all sorts of tools which sustain which enable you to sustain yourself are these and they're increasingly being secularized I guess other people are discovering them but do you find those tools
3: necessary to keep you going Absolutely essential, and it, it's true what you say there that that other other traditions or other people who have no religion pick them up because what's spiritually good for you is physically good for you. You know, so meditation. I'm I'm particularly attracted to Christian meditation in the John Main tradition. Uh, I must say I'm not as good at it as I ought to be, but. that's okay. We all fall down and we can all keep coming back. So it's a wonderful journey of discovery and deepening.
0: Christian Conda, let's uh, come to you and and talk about your radical conversion. We talked a, a little while ago with Alim about him growing up sort of in Muslim and coming into a Christian sort of world. Your direction has been the other way. You've come out of a sort of Anglo-Christian background and and converted to Islam at the age of 18. Was this a revelatory journey?
1: (laughs) Well, we've we've been using just now the, I guess, uh, the road or the path as a metaphor. I think that a more appropriate metaphor would be uh, the sea, uh, and imagine going into the sea and and swimming. I can relate uh, to Aleem and uh, to Sister Susan's early Zealousness, uh, and I think when one uh, enters the sea that 's precisely what they have to do: swim against the waves but uh, but once uh, the that journey has progressed sufficiently, then you're into calmer waters and and uh, and I think that that's, that for me is the most wonderful metaphor for religion that it really is a sea without shore, and like a leam i uh, I stop uh, looking specifically for answers and And pondering far more the questions but I guess for me in terms of getting from zero to 18 and deciding that uh, uh, Islam was the the beach through which I wanted to uh, enter this from, uh, funnily enough I I like to, I have a theory and that is that uh, whichever is the first book a child learns to read on their own will have some impact on their life going forward so uh, one of my brothers the first book that he learnt to read was The Form Guide uh, and uh, he's, uh, he's often uh, using that skill to both his benefit and detriment uh, the first book that I learnt uh, to read on, on my own was uh, The Children's Bible uh, I'm sure uh, you've probably seen these ones before John with the uh, really wonderfully detailed portraits of the biblical scenes and and um, and so certainly, I guess evaluating what was happening through my childhood and adolescence, uh, it seemed perfectly normal, natural uh, to 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 evaluate everything through I guess the you know the lens of religion and the idea that uh, God, as Sister Susan said, is everywhere and and was uh, my constant companion, like everyone else's constant companion, whether they acknowledged him or not uh and uh, and i guess to to bring it back to the theme of a reboot you know i mean i kind of i got to 16 17 18 uh after some i mean some significant family tragedy in my childhood and adolescence my father as you can imagine being the sort of guy that taught his son to read from the form guide was not a particularly wonderful example uh my maternal uncle took his own life uh, when i was relatively young and and uh and my poor mother was left to deal with all of this and and three boys and and minimum wage and all of those struggles uh prior to being 30 um and uh and so so i mean that kind of you know framed me to to be constantly thinking from the age of 10 onwards what what is this all about what is the the, the purpose of of what we're doing here and how do I find comfort and, and solace and answers in that and uh, and I guess I I got to seventeen eighteen and and had my reboot moment where I I guess I stripped everything that was non essential and got down to the to the core and found that I felt most comfortable uh, as as a Muslim and in Islam. Hmm.
0: Was there ever a moment, and I'd ask each of you this, actually, and perhaps you could sort of butt in and ask your own questions here too. Please feel free to because we're in three uh, different studios. We're scattered around Australia, and so we should take the opportunity to uh, to ask each other questions. Um, what about, uh, perhaps I could ask the dark night of the soul. Is, it, is there a, a sort of critical time when you had to sort of weigh it in the balance and say, well, it's difficult, but still I choose this way? Christian, you first.
1: Look, I, I think so, and, and it's probably part of the reason why I decided or, or thought about these things. I guess relatively early on. I'm sure that a lot of listeners would think, "G, 18 is is rather early to be so radically changing one's religion." Uh, but by the time I converted to Islam, in terms of the age that I was at, my mother had already had me. Uh, my uncle wasn't significantly. Older when he 'd uh, taken his own life, and so and so I guess for me there was a, there was a pretty significant immediacy in that kind of dark night of the the soul moment, you know sort of as I said, certainly eighteen years of age when I would have thought how how do I know that uh, i 've got years left uh, before I make the decisions which are going to really dictate what what happens going forward um, and and certainly, I mean it wasn 't uh, it wasn't just sort of one individual event that, that, that made that happen, but it was the preceding uh, 18 years, I guess, that, um, mm. that, that led me to, to, to that moment where, uh, as I said, I, I, I thought, assuming that I've got years is taking it for granted, I need to think about the person that I want to be now um, and start making decisions um, you know, in, in that way. And as I said before, I had always felt it natural to assume that uh, and not in a schizophrenic way, but to assume that uh, God uh, is my constant companion that he 's everywhere, uh, and that it was perfectly reasonable to to ask him for the an indication of the direction that would be best mm. um, and uh, what do you know then the, then the dawn came after the the night, and, and that was how it was for me.
0: Mm. Susan Connolly, is a sense of the dark night of the soul for you at any point?
3: Uh, not, not actually. Maybe early evening of the soul. You know, <laughs> that could be more like. And I, I find that type. of... I'm thinking about religion
0: as redemptive. You know, in the sense that it's at some point it's grasped hold of you in a way that because you said you were pretty convinced from day one, and that journey has been really a path that that you've you've. You've leant on your
3: spirituality to take you along, but God's always been a constant for you. That- That's true, but I think there's a growth in a human being from just simply um, a, like an intellectual grasp of it uh, and and a, a love of it intellectually, a movement then towards sort of a moral um, acceptance of what that means. But I think even deeper than that is... is is. A fundamentally religious orientation, which means willingness to live like Jesus. That is the thing. To live, that is the call there, to have the mind that was in Jesus.
0: I'll ask you what that means in a moment. Uh, uh, Amir Ali, what about you? Is there ever a moment when you felt that, that there was a crisis moment where that things were pretty black and you, you had to really take the leap of faith?
2: Um, for me, it was probably more of a revelatory moment. Not yeah. not that it was a revelation of answer, but more. I remember similar age, probably to Christian actually, 18 years old, sitting in a church service and I think it was a, a baptism service and the combination of the symbolism and, and the wonder of baptism and um, the story that was shared that evening that just had this, sense of, uh, I think Sister Susan's talked about this already, This the sense of call in, for me, the uh, an understanding of of Jesus and, and the centrality of who he could be in and around my life and what it might mean to follow him um, was just this sort of very profound moment that I had.
0: You're on Sunday nights on ABC Radio. John Cleary with you. Our guest this evening, uh, Pastor Alim Ali, Christian Conda and Sister Susan Connolly. We're talking about rebooting your life. What's that got to do with religion? Well, actually, everything. Religion has, for most of human history, been the primary way people have sought to reboot their life. You can share this conversation, one 300 800 2 one 300 800 Amir Ali, let me ask you something else that that has affected the charismatic churches quite a bit in the last thirty years or so. Because charismatic churches, in many ways, the most dynamic and most flexible in the in the Christian community over recent years, yet they also became associated with a sort of. Um, Jesus is my life coach, sort of approach to theology. At the fringe ends, it could get it could be called the prosperity gospel. Yep. You know, you do the right yep. thing by God, He'll do the right thing by you. Yep. Um, and others are saying, no, 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 no. That's you, you're missing the point here. Could you just give us a perspective on that? And sort of, what is the central the central message of Jesus for you? And for where me? do people go yep. wrong in this stuff?
2: Look, uh, uh, and I. I Sort of preface all this by saying I don't, I don't, you know, with my response regarding answers and absolutism. But um, the danger of something like prosperity gospel is that it takes a very small element of a teaching. Things where we read in scripture that Jesus says, You know, I came that you would have life and life to the full. And we take that and we package it and we franchise it and we turn it into something that it was never intended to be. And we remove it from the fullness of w- what we read and see and believe that Jesus was saying. And so for me, it's a fullness. You need to understand it in the fullness of what we call the gospel or the good news. And
0: so, what is the heart of the gospel?
2: The heart of the gospel is is where we read that Jesus says, "I came for the poor and the brokenhearted. I, I came for the sick, not not for the well. I came for the lost, not the found." And the, for me, the the heart of the gospel is um, that Jesus extended his warmest invitation to the hurt, the rejected, the oppressed, and invited everyone to the table and said, "Follow me." The way of life that I am proposing and presenting is not necessarily an easy life, but it's a life that is about community and it's a life that invites and includes, not excludes. And the danger of things like the prosperity gospel is that it's very exclusive. It it speaks to uh, 1% of our global population who can afford to live in that means and, and is almost quite exploitative and manipulative of people. Susan Connolly, let me
0: ask you about something that the the the, the, the larger church, the institutional church, is often criticised for. It said people would say, look, I've got no time for institutional religion anymore because people are more intent on climbing the hierarchical tree or being seen to be good by the institution and carving their lives around the institution and they forget about being human beings. And they're... they're, they're they're serving the institution. They're not serving what Jesus is supposed to be. So I don't need church and religion.
3: And now, you must have heard that
0: from time to time, particularly yes. over recent
3: years. Yes, yes, indeed. And I think it's a, it's an understandable reaction, especially in recent times. But I think it has to be put in perspective. I mean, the church was pretty awful right from the word go. I mean, they all ran away from him at the at the cross. But it, it, it can also be a cop-out, actually. It... Um, It can be a cop-out and uh, um, unfortunately the church sometimes is is at fault because it has set itself up so often uh, as though it is the be-all and end-all of everything. And unless you believe
0: this doctrine and that doctrine and that doctrine, you're not going to get there.
3: Uh, well, yes, that or yes, that that whole human, unfortunate package of what we what we do, which so reduces the gospel of jesus, uh, but so therefore, you know the bigger they are, the harder they fall, and uh, you know we're seeing that at the moment, and we're de- dealing with that, but then. Uh, All that then has to come into the perspective of what are you throwing out if you throw out the whole community? Because what Jesus was on about was community. And uh, even though he didn't say, well, you know, now I'm going to establish the Catholic Church, you know, you are Peter. I mean, you know, it's so... So clear that that 's not exactly not, not what happened, but he was certainly about community, and that is what the church has struggled to be ever since, and still struggling and will struggle but but we we, we do we throw the baby out with the bathwater if we think that God wants us just to come to God. Um, individually. Mm. Christian, as
0: a Muslim, how do you uh, struggle with that one? The, 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 the nature of, of the faith being a set of theological propositions that, that one is injuncted to follow and then a set of rules by which one is, uh, is asked to live one's life and that sometimes uh, they can get in the way of the authenticity of the person and that, that religion can become a, a hindrance rather than a help. Towards living an authentic life.
1: Look, it's certainly, it certainly it certainly is a challenge, and I think it's a it's a greater challenge for those that uh, adhere to uh, more orthodox or ancient versions of the uh, of the various great religions. Um,
0: Islam has the same tensions within it.
1: Oh, absolutely, hmm. absolutely, and 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 I, I mean. And 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 you know, coming back to the uh, the ABC theme for the week, rebooting. I, I think that th- that that is essentially the task of every individual living a religious life. Certainly, one living a Muslim life uh, to to regularly reboot, you know, to engage with what is essential, uh, and to strip away the superfluous. Uh, the wonderful thing about. Islam is that there is a prescribed mechanism for doing this, at least five times a day, uh, in in prayer, and and regularly uh, in other methods throughout and throughout the, the year cycle. too. Or of course, right, the you know, season,
0: start, aren't you Ramadan
1: and and, yeah. and so on? Yes, you're right. Uh, and, and and look, I, I think that if one is challenged with recognising the you know the, the authentic in what they're saying, practicing believing and expressing themselves appropriately, uh, then that's, that's a good thing. You know, I mean, that shows that uh, religion is actually, and, and if they're a Muslim, certainly that Islam is doing part of the job that it's supposed to serve for the individual. Uh, Islam, like uh, Christianity, does give a great emphasis on uh, doing good for the community. But interestingly, uh, God says in the Quran that he will not change the condition of a community, until the people choose to change themselves, uh, and this has the dual implication, you know the individual improving themselves, and also the individual contributing to the community uh, as best as they can, uh, before you know, we, we then expect any divine help or assistance. And, and, and certainly, you know, this, this process of constant self-reflection, constant engagement, um, and, and evaluating what is authentic, inauthentic, what's, what's, um, what's true and what's not, uh, is no doubt the, the requirement of every Muslim. And, and, I, and I, you know, dare say every religious person. I think it's, it's really illogical to hear those that are critical of religion, particularly religious institutions, um, to complain that, well, religion's all just silly, it's it's outdated, you have to adhere to all these rules that you don't really believe, and so on and so on. Um, I don't actually think that that's true. I think that uh, if you are sticking to the way that things were said and taught even a year ago, Uh, You have not gone through the yearly life cycle, which is prescribed in almost every great religion, and certainly in Islam, which is supposed to enforce self-reflection and improvement. Um, I, uh, I, I, I I think that if we're worried about being inauthentic and not expressing ourselves truly, we're putting the cart before the horse. We've actually got what religion is supposed to do wrong.
0: And in some ways is it at the heart of Islam too, that you, you find what's good for yourself in giving yourself for the sake of others.
1: Oh, absolutely. There's a wonderful Hadith uh, qudsi which is a, a saying attributed to God uh, where God says to, he, he will say to a, a person on the Day of Judgment that you have clothed me, fed me, housed me, protected me. And the person will reply and say, well, how can I have done all of this your uh, omnipotent, you're omniscient, you don't need any of these things from me. And then God replies that, well, you clothed this needy person when they're in need, you housed this needy person when they're in need, you fed this needy person when they're in need, and therefore you have done that to me. Um, so certainly in, in Islam there is a great significance on, uh, or, or for giving up i guess taking what you need but then giving what you can and giving it and being mindful the whole time that that it's it's for uh, the pleasure of god even before the benefit of the community let alone you know but, but i mean but certainly for the pleasure of god and not for simply your own personal gain rising in status and and those sorts of things that we've alluded to before when speaking about the institutions of religion
0: so you gain yourself when you give yourself away, which seems to be a, a theme that is that is consistent in most of the great religious revelations, Susan Connolly.
3: Yes, it is, isn't it? Uh, and I was only just thinking, as Christian was speaking so beautifully about... Uh, that of, of what God requires—that that's exactly Matthew twenty-five. Jesus mm. says, "Whatever you do to the least of my brothers and sisters, you do to me." Which is really foundational, and it's it's true. It is in every every great religious tradition, every true religious tradition, uh, which only under underscores the 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 importance of religion for for. A true human life, because it is it is it is right for people to, uh, in, within community and uh, recognising God that that is how we actually become human. The more we do for others, the more human we become, and I dare say, the more divine.
0: And so, um, uh, Amir Ali, uh, the um, "What about me?" Uh, gospel has to be conformed or transformed into the what-about-others gospel.
2: Absolutely. Um, It's obviously been a a key theme this evening, but what religion presents um, is a counter-narrative. And so the narrative of selfishness, the narrative of self-righteousness is challenged by saying, well, actually, you know, you need to consider the other and you need to... um, not necessarily conform the other to yourself, but be changed and in some ways transformed by other people as well.
0: Mm. Our guest on Sunday night, Pastor Alim Ali, of uh, the National Manager of Welcoming Cities in, in Brisbane and also lead pastor at Found. Let's say hi to, uh, to Bryce in Box Hill. Hello, Bryce. How are you doing? Welcome to, uh, to Sunday nights.
4: Thanks very much. Yeah, um, I, I grew up as a sort of a nominal Catholic um, from you know, childhood through to my uh, yeah, early adult years. Uh, and then when I, uh, I moved to Melbourne to study uh, on campus at Melbourne Uni, um, yeah, I began to make uh, some friends who were very serious about uh, their Christian faith, um, evangelical Christians. And uh, I went into university, you know, just uh, sort of believing in God, I'd be a sort of a theist, uh, but very much more interested in in other things of the world. Um, I wanted to be a doctor, uh, and I graduated. Um, and a couple of years later, I decided I wanted to go into uh, ministry, and so I embraced a, a small career in teaching. and uh, And now I'm at Bible College, training to be a minister. So religion went from being a very small, compartmentalised part of my life to really the, the central thing now.
0: And what, why do you think? What's What's the central uh, draw that that mm. led you that way?
4: You know, I was just thinking about it when you were talking, or uh, your guests were talking about uh, their experiences. Um, I think it was a gradual series of things. So I think God to me growing up was sort of uh, large but distant, uh, impersonal um, and, and perhaps I treated God somewhat as sort of like a genie, someone to pray to for things. Uh, And then uh, I I think that the big um, game changer for me in my first year of uni was my friends described uh, God as being someone who is personal, someone who you could uh, have a relationship with. And so that was the first uh, major thing that really impacted me, and I thought, yes, that's what I want. Um, And then as I embraced, um, I guess, what you would call the evangelical expression of Christianity, um, the next sort of uh, big thing that I learned I guess that, that really struck me was um, uh, the sovereignty of God, so God being uh, uh, not only personal but uh, sovereign over the lives of um, you know everyone on earth and sovereign over the all the events that take place on earth and in, and in the universe uh, and that was that was quite um, quite uh, profound for me and the, the most recent thing I think for me actually is the notion that uh, actually God is the one who can provide uh, the greatest uh, sort of joy in someone's life. So there's that sort of idea of hedonism, you know, that everyone's looking for happiness in something or someone, uh, but actually you know, Jesus is, he's the bread of life, and all that come to him will no longer are hunger nor thirst. And so, yeah, I guess as I continue to journey on in my Christian faith, these sort of, um, I guess, um, revelations just confirm to me more and more at least for me, the reality of, of um, Christianity being, you know, yeah, what it is.
0: Hmm. Does it, you mentioned, as, as you have, did, what about yeah. this, the way in which uh, all of our guests have said tonight that it also involves something not only about personal transformation, mm. but about mm. the way you express yourself in the community?
4: Yeah. Okay. Sure. Um, Does that have
0: something to do, like with the fact that you you mentioned medicine? That, that, that this is about giving back in some way?
4: Sure. Yeah. Okay. okay. I hear what you're saying. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, well. Yeah. Well. See. See. Me, me, for me, medicine. I probably at, You know. To be honest with you. Um, you know, I, I probably had the wrong attitude. Really, going into into uh, university. I think I was far more um, self focused. Really, than other person centred. Uh, so, I wanted to go into medicine for the wrong reasons to be because it was prestigious um it was it was a you know a career that um yeah that had a lot of i, I guess a lot of um you know, prestige attached to it and it was um you know well paying all the wrong reasons to go into a job right mm. um, but you yeah, i i guess after after really understanding the, um Christianity and embracing it for myself properly um my mentality slowly shifted. Um, from being uh, self-focused to other person-centred. And so I suppose um, that's probably expressed itself in, in volunteerism, so being a, a volunteer firefighter. Um, I think, you know, I, I coached basketball um, in, in my hometown. When I used to um, uh, work as a teacher, uh, get involved with uh, community garden at the school that I, I worked at. So I guess uh, you're right, absolutely. Um, I think when somebody really embraces the Christian faith, they realize that one of the most profound identities they, they have other than to be a, a follower of Christ is to be a servant. And so and so, most people, I think, naturally uh, are more self-focused, and that's myself included. I think that's the, the nature we all have. But um, the Christian message actually is one where we're called not to be masters, but to be servants. And,
5: um, yeah.
0: Bryce, thanks for that.
5: No, Good to problem. talk to you. All the best. Thank you. Bye Thank for now.
0: You. Uh, let's go to Barry in Mount Isa. Hello, Barry, how are you?
5: Hello, from Mr Barry Byrne in Mount Isa, <laughs> North West Queensland.
0: <laughs> what would you like to say?
5: Uh, well, I mean, uh, I speak from a, a secular point of view. I'm, I'm not a religious person, but one thing which I find uh, very essential for myself is, um, is to volunteer and to uh, contribute to the community. Uh, I'm on a disability pension. I suffer from some um, physical and uh, psychological impairments and um, I'm very appreciative that I get a pension but I believe in mutual obligation and giving back to the community. And uh, I volunteer for a few different organisations. I volunteer for a, a local museum in Manisa, the Manisa Underground Hospital Museum part of which dates back to World War II. I volunteer for the Mount Isa Community uh, Development Association in Mount Isa, which deals with uh, government-funded projects for the frail, the elderly, um, the disabled and whatever. And um, I also volunteer for the um, Mount Isa Crime Stoppers Area Committee.
0: And you, get, and you get a sense of meaning and fulfilment out of that?
5: I do. I mean, one, it gets you out of the house and um, you feel like you're giving back to society and um, you're doing um, sort of good works and good deeds and um, you're trying to help your fellow human beings. Mm
3: -hmm. Susan, you may have a comment on that. Uh, No, uh, it's great to to hear of people like that, and I, I, I'm surrounded by them, absolutely. But I, I just wanted to comment something on what that Bryce said. Yeah. Actually, uh, he didn't actually use the word imitation, but that's what I heard when he spoke about uh, the influence of the young people that he met when he first went to university. And I think that's a, a, a most important point about churches because we've really got to be careful who we imitate Mm-hmm. Uh, because we are very imitative beings That's how, what we do We imitate all the time We take our
0: leads from people
3: Well, yeah. yes uh, We base everything that we desire On what other people desire, etc So therefore it's very important uh, To know who we're imitating
0: uh, We'll go on and say hi to uh, Thanks Barry for your call We'll go hi, uh, say hi to, uh, to Margaret in Gippsland Hello Margaret, welcome
6: Hello, thank you for having me on, Um, I really enjoy your show, I I now look forward to it every Sunday night. Ah,
0: very kind of you.
6: And I haven't caught all of the program because I couldn't get the signal, so I've come in to, um, you know, to contribute if you like. Um, But one thing I have found um, is that in more recent times I've been thinking, yeah, well, when I was a child, I thought as a child. So I'm really grateful that I had a Catholic, early Catholic upbringing. I have to say that at some stage in my life, it's damaged me terribly as well. But I think I've thought about it and that was really my own thinking that caused the damage. And, you know, um, oh, I won't go into, in, in, into why, but it was very restrictive. And, uh, you know, my own, as I said, when I was a child, I thought of a child, yes. and I probably left the church for a while, but always in the background, um, I think I was always, um, you know, a Christian person, I, the person of Jesus, and I, and I still feel that way. Um,
0: it goes back to but something I, we, we commented on, that is sometimes we can get hung up on the institution and, and let the values absolutely. slip away.
6: Oh, absolutely, and at the moment the institution probably is not one that I'm very supportive of because um, I also had some time with a Jungian therapist and Jung was very much a person who believed that Catholicism was a true religion, you know, with all the archetypes and so forth, so perhaps I've been fortunate to understand that, um, and the symbolism and so forth, it's immensely rich, but not everyone has the opportunity to have that understanding, so you can't, if you like, uh, it was a stage that I went through where I blamed fundamentalists, you know, for happy, clappy stuff, and... And okay, so it didn't suit me, but it suited them. And it gave them comfort and reassurance. There are are some people who believe that they are totally right and everybody else is wrong. Uh, And that's an individual thing. But I think the turning point for me has been that... Excuse me, I went to England a few years ago and I was fortunate to meet up with a uh, Franciscan... um, A Franciscan... Um, who was uh, and is also an iconographer iconographer, and she was doing a class in a church in Aylesbury and she invited me to sort of stay and I did some drawing around the church and then she invited me to group um, group for a meditation and it was the most powerful meditation I had ever Mm. experienced and I think, you know, this woman was really, really gifted And I've joined her Women's International Prayer Group. And through that prayer group, um, you know, I've just become more prayerful, more meditative. And, um, you know, my way isn't to go out and consciously do things. not, oh, I don't know, in a goody-goody way, I suppose. But I, I pray a lot more and I meditate a lot more. And um, it's through that prayer group and the Franciscan spirituality um, that I've done that. So the institution has contributed greatly <clears throat> because um, if she hadn't been a part of the institution, if I hadn't, hadn't walked into the church, I wouldn't have experienced that very fortunate... Um, if you like to call it transformation, I, I suppose it's just a different way of thinking.
0: Um, Margaret, thanks for your observations. Uh, we are going to have to move on. We've got two or three minutes left. I just want to touch with each of you briefly on, on something. And it, it comes back to virtually where we started this little journey on. We've been talking about religion as rebooting your life. To you first, uh, Ali Amali, uh, you spend your life as a charismatic church pastor, but also committed to working Institutionally with refugees and helping welcome people to Australia,
2: mm-hmm.
0: does that provide your life its focus that is is it is it the lens through which that enables you to to basically go through life saying if, if, if there are all sorts of ways of doing this, but we all do it i 've got my checklist for life and I, I basically think that this is the best way I can contribute, and in some way that sustains you psychically. That is, it gives you some sense of of reassurance that there is both an immediate and a long-term sense in which you are connected, and you are connected to
2: others. Yes, absolutely. I mean, that's a very strong theme of renewal in um, my faith and belief, and my greatest challenge to myself often um, is... Does who I follow just look like me? Do they just think like me? Have I formed my religion into my own image or do I allow myself to be informed and transformed by who I follow? And working with the other, as sometimes we term people who are different to us, who have different experiences to us, who are facing far greater uh, trauma and torture and things in their lives, is really, in part an opportunity for me too to to continually remind myself of of where i'm going and the call on my life
0: we've only got a minute left uh christian let me come to you and in 15 seconds what's the most significant element of the pathway for you
1: uh to follow the golden rule john do unto others as i would have done unto me and hope that that translates as to uh, me doing the right thing and and uh you know, the the message for us or from us is that living a virtuous life is what will lead to happiness.
0: And Sister Susan, the last word, 20 seconds.
3: Okay, it's um, it is the face of Jesus in the poor and the oppressed of this world. And honestly, we are surrounded by them. So indeed, God is everywhere.
0: And giving yourself away for others gives meaning for you. For now and for eternity.
3: Well it it certainly does, and thanks be to God.
0: This has been a podcast of Sunday nights on ABC Local Radio. Thank you for listening.